Em, would you like a coffee? Thanks, Gav, but you know I only drink tea. Oh, yeah. Well, that could be arranged. Oh? Followers, if you're enjoying listening, watching or reading Gavin Em's How to English pod, visit coffee.com forward slash how to English pod. That's coffee, K-O dash F-I dot com forward slash how to English pod. And it would be lovely if you bought us a coffee or a tea to show us support and you could even get a mention on our show if you'd like. Hi, Gav. Hi, Em. Are you ready for another rerun of one of our favourite episodes? Absolutely, Em. And if you've been listening, you will know we are rebooting some of our favourite episodes from our first three seasons of Gavin Em's How to English pod. And today we're going to listen to season one's episode two, Types of Lessons. So what did we talk about in that episode, Em? It was the nuts and bolts, Gav. It was all the fundamentals of types of lessons. Exactly. It was a comprehensive guide to different types of lessons, such as general English, business English. I think there was some exam English. And maybe some ESP. Yeah. Now, I remember, Em, we talked about some of our favourite books. We talked about pressure on teachers and students and also setting goals and objectives for teachers and learners. I think you're going to enjoy this one. Again. Welcome, everybody. This is How to English. Teach and learn with Gav and M. It's a podcast about teaching and learning English as a foreign language. All opinions stated are personal and references will be given where necessary. Okay, this is our second episode. Yeah. This time... I thought we could talk about types of lessons. Okay, nice idea. I like it. So if I just say, for example, there are three, maybe four types of basic lessons. You've got your general English, exam English, business English, and there are some special, what do you call it? ESP, you mean? Uh, English for a specific purpose. And I don't mean like I can read your mind because that's also ESP, <laughs> which you might need to do uh, as a teacher, but that's different. We can come back to that one anyway. But uh, I'd say the most common one would be general English. Would you agree? I would. Why is a student deciding to study general English? Give me a picture of that person, Gav. I think there's someone who just wants to possibly brush up on their overall English, which is what they often say. You have to be, um, maybe you need it for work. So you would say some grammar, some general vocabulary uh, for different situations. The teacher does error correction, that kind of thing. They're looking for conversations about random topics, could be television, cooking, gardening, anything like that. Uh, possibly with a book or without a book. This is the majority of our students who come here for uh, general English. So what about business English? Well, yeah, and personally, that's what I teach. But it's confusing because I teach business people, but I teach them general English. So it's the same topics that you've already mentioned, but with business people? Yeah. Was that gardening? TV. Well, I have done, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's like a blend of the two. Um, I'd say it, it varies, 
for me anyway. Business English is like general English with a bit of business mixed in sometimes. So we'll do some email English and then some presentation language. But it's very occasional that I get people that just want business. Ah, for me, let's go back to general stuff for a second. So as we mentioned, students who are brushing up on their skills, you might have some lower level students who are just starting to learn or they might be elementary, pre-intermediate. There's a lot of pre-ints out there who would need some quite constructive instructions in grammar and vocabulary. And those lessons tend to be based on books. And the majority of books that we use are for general English. Yeah, I agree. I don't teach a lot of low-level students. um, So I feel like I've got used to teaching people that have already got the basics. They just either want to maintain what they have or practice using what they have. So what's your experience? Well, if we stick with the lower level students um, from memory, I think I can remember I'm mostly focused on books. So English file definitely comes to mind and you just basically follow the book page by page and it builds the students knowledge of grammar, vocabulary, some quite nice topics and then you go on to the next level. Mm -hmm. So that's general English. So I'm just yeah I'm just trying to think of some of the activities like examples of that. For example you start off at the beginning with numbers and countries and you find out which skills you need to develop. Yeah exactly so I think that those are the building blocks and most of the students I teach already know all that. Mm-hmm. They have some gaps so you might need to go back and check that uh, in a more revision or test kind of way. I always check with my students and it doesn't really matter what level yeah. they are from beginner to advanced whether they can tell me the alphabet. Yeah I agree I think it's really important. Just like a quick review of all that stuff. And the reason it's so important is because if you're telling somebody your email address or maybe for numbers you need to tell someone your telephone number, these skills are what seem really, really basic, but everybody needs to know them very well. Yeah, I agree. I think sometimes the students wonder why you're asking them because it's easy mm. in quotation marks. I can see you're doing air quotes there. Yeah, yeah. I like it's the It's perfect air for our new podcast. I know, it's a very <laughs> visual thing. But yeah, I, I still would say it's worth just quickly going through it anyway. So yeah, the other thing is dialogue and having a conversation with people and trying to make sure that there's that natural speaking mm-hmm. uh, there. Okay, so then in the book you deal with the present, you deal with the past, you look at the future, and then all the language that fits into those topics. Yes, exactly. And a lot of it's repeated, so it's nice to recycle it and the students can keep practising what they've learned. Yeah, and those topics in the general books are about family, about friends, about travel. And the present simple becomes more, you get into present perfect, you look at present continuous as well. 
And yeah, any topic really in the general English books. So I think it's your job as a teacher to deliver it in a way that's interesting and to know if your students are going to react well to it. I think you need to choose the bits you want to do. And as we said about first lessons, you can tell a lot about the student in that way. If somebody's expressed a strong dislike for environmental issues or something like that, maybe that's a unit you could skip in the book because you think maybe it wouldn't go down so well. Probably from your experience, you've realised that you can just cherry pick different units or different tasks maybe there's a reading task that you you know mm. the student's going to really enjoy and there's others that probably are not relevant or might not be very interesting yeah personally I mean it depends on the school because sometimes they want you to literally go page by page so you've ticked that box to say it's done but I like to just select the units or the pages I think are going to work well so from your experience your students haven't expected to go out and buy a book or do you give them a book and they're happy to just choose a random page do they buy the book I've had different experiences in different schools and I'd say generally students do go out and buy the student's book and they will expect you to go from page one right to the end yeah which could be a problem if you're not that kind of teacher so explaining why you're not doing every page in the book could be a bit tricky yes that's something to think about and again what I said about the syllabus you know you need to check whether or not that's expected of you that you should follow that book page by page and if your students need to get to a certain level in the certain amount of time that they've got to complete that book so it really depends on the company or the school I've taught in a lot of schools where it is like that and you have to get them to the end of that level that's just standard however I have seen some teachers making photocopies for students uh -huh. you can also enlarge the page if students have any kind of visual impairment or you can give them a virtual copy you have to check with copyright rules of course you must purchase the book but there are alternatives to each student buying a copy that's good that's a yeah. good point you can email it in advance of the lesson if yes. you want to do that i was just thinking you don't need to do every page of the book you could actually give some of the pages as homework especially some of the can i say boring exercises yes well you just did but I, I think that's a good point if you've done two pages of a book and you've only done five out of ten of the activities you can just say right the ones we haven't done do at home I or like that. do the reading for homework we'll discuss it next lesson it gives the student the opportunity to do some speaking practice yeah so it varies. It varies from place to place. Yeah, you might be working in tandem with another teacher or with even two teachers or doing two pages per lesson or it could be a number of different things, M. Yeah, that's true. You can't just assume you're going to be the one teacher on the course. So exactly. And don't think that just because you've taught this language to your students or students because you've done one lesson on a particular grammar or vocabulary that you're going to remember that you do need to return to the language you need to revise it next week or in your next lesson yeah don't think just because you read something or you did an exercise that you now know that language for many students you need to repeat it many times yeah exactly so okay business then you go into maybe an office or I mean often you're going to the workplace and you think okay they want business you assume they want business and what's that what is business English M topics 
include emailing, presentations, negotiations, meeting language, telephone calls. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Conference calls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they might need that. They might want a book. There are a lot of good business books out there um, and you can get books that cover all of the stuff that we've mentioned. They have a lot of vocabulary and the grammar as well integrated in a business setting. But I found that the grammar in the business books isn't always that great and they don't always introduce it that well. Yeah, it tends to be one small box in the corner of the page and it doesn't go into enough detail for me. So yeah, be prepared if you're a teacher that you might need to spend longer than this, you know, five minute activity in the corner of a page. Sometimes they're really good. So if, for example, you're describing graphs or you need to describe graphs for your job, you might need to revise the present, maybe the present perfect to say how long something has been happening. So sometimes these activities can be really, really useful. And students, you need to learn the grammar and teachers, you need to teach the language that goes with this graph telling. Graph telling? Graph describing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yes, you've got specific books. Are we gonna mention which ones or No, well no, are they not. gonna Oh, I've already mentioned English file. <laughs> you have, so we should probably keep it like fair that yes. there are good business books like um, I'm gonna put all of the names of the books All right. in the show notes. Okay, good. So there's, I think, Market Leader and uh, In Company. They're yep. both really good. So specific books like that. And I think they actually do present, I think they present the grammar quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be slightly narrow or a kind of specific task-based grammar. But that's a lot of the time, I think, what business people like, you know, that it's it's to the point, it's very direct and this is what I need for this thing. Okay, so yes, one thing I would mention is a lot of the business people often don't pay for their own course. So thinking back to general English, I think these people usually are paying for their own lessons and it's on them and their motivation might be a bit different. So I don't know if we're going to talk about that in a future episode, but I think most business courses are partly or completely paid for by the company. That's a good point, actually. So what is the student's motivation? Yeah. Uh, Maybe we could mention that in another show later okay well it's got its pros and its cons sometimes the attendance is a bit poor because maybe they're not paying for it so they don't really feel motivated to go or that they don't feel like they have to go so they feel sometimes as well that they're a bit resentful that they have to go because if they don't attend a certain number of hours sometimes they get a fine or something like they have to pay for the course Um, I can't imagine that Em I can't imagine a student thinking should I go to Em's class or not (laughs) I know I know Gav I know that seems strange but I think that it happens I've got two choices shall I go to Em's amazing English lesson (laughs) or carry on writing this report well Sometimes they're busy as well. But, okay. um Yeah, I was just thinking there's sometimes a bit more baggage that comes with business <laughs> lessons. What does that mean? Um, like I bit, said, they bring about, suitcases with no, them. No, like they're a little bit maybe resentful of oh. it or they're just feeling a lot of pressure to attend or if they don't attend, they're going to have to pay. It can be okay. a bit like that can be a factor. And also the dynamics can be a bit strained sometimes. Oh, yes, exactly. The dynamics are so important. I remember having a secretary and boss both in the same lesson and it was weird and uncomfortable. Okay, you do some weird role play and everybody gets really 
awkward with each other. Yeah, um, so we should probably cover this topic as well. I think dynamics is quite an important one. Good topic. We've got so much to do, Em. I know, I know. It's all good, though. So if you think about people paying for their own lessons, which they might be on the more general English side, their expectations could be a bit higher, I find, as well. So they might have different expectations. If the student is paying for themselves, they will expect you to give them a very high-quality service. If their company is paying... They might have ideas that their bosses need to be happy with what you're presenting, what you're giving them in the lesson. Yes, exactly right. You've always got that business person who comes to you and says, I've got a business trip next week and I've got to present this three-hour presentation. Can we go through it before tomorrow? Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, I'm not a miracle worker, so we'll do what we can. So they might have incredibly high expectations of Mm. you so they're feeling the pressure and then I feel it I feel the pressure too and they might put that pressure onto you yeah um which isn't really fair because we're just teachers so yeah you're right and if if it's a one-to-one they might be trying to combine the opportunity to learn English with their work so oh right free English lessons I can just use this person to help me with my how do you mean Em could you be more specific I've had the experience where Every lesson, I've just been checking emails for people. And I just think, am I your personal assistant here or am I your teacher? So it it gets a bit, the lines blur sometimes. So you've actually completely left the book and the student has said, I've got something, let's work on this. And it's a real document or a real presentation they've got to give. Okay, I see. Exactly. So they are combining these opportunities. Yeah. And can I just also mention one more thing? Because I find there's a bit of a conflict sometimes with business English, especially when it's groups, because they can come thinking it's just English and the company has told them it's business English. So the company want them to learn specific things for their jobs, but the students just want to talk about baking or something (laughs) and you've got to deliver as a teacher you've got to deliver what the company wants but you've also got to make your students happy that is a challenge I once had a group that said oh we'd love to learn about baking and I said well I'm sorry it's not what your company's paying for so we have to do what they want and it was really challenging and I was trying to please both which isn't always possible that's very difficult I just wonder if you can combine baking with emailing or writing reports I think actually in I think it's market leader there is something about team building evenings baking and cooking and it brings together the business side so if you're do you know exactly which book that's from and which page and which unit m yes because you can put the reference in the notes too all right okay good so we've talked about business I like the idea that the business books are oriented towards general stuff so maybe you can make your students happy if they're not really business minded but they're having business English lessons okay cool so English is what you said presentations meetings emails telephone calls video calls conferences it's very clear what the skills are I think that they need Uh uh-huh but that also will include small talk that they have during meetings Mm, yeah And things like how to start a conversation. What are the topics of when you're meeting someone and say, hey, nice weather we're having today or where are you staying? 
Yeah, you're right. And I think that is a big part of business English. And a lot of my students say, well, I'm fine talking about my job and things connected to work. But as soon as it's, you know, the coffee break during the presentation, they just can't start a conversation mm-hmm. or they don't know how to. So the social side is really important. And that is general English, isn't it? Yeah. It's an overlap there. If one of them says, have you been to the zoo yet? And the other says, I haven't. What's there? <laughs> Okay. Animals, yes. Well, you know the one with the, the long thing and the, it's got a very... It's, um, Grey, you know, it's... it's got big ears. Yeah, well, that, <laughs> that's quite a funny conversation. So, yeah, you have to know some general English. Mm. You've got a network with people. It's all under the bracket of business, but it is a lot of general as well. Sure. You could be sitting in a restaurant and somebody shouts out, Cauliflower? Would they? Okay. Well, maybe they've never seen cauliflower. Maybe they're allergic to it. Yeah. These are words that you learn through more general English. Yeah, that's true. That you'll be able to use them in a business context as well. Say you're having dinner with your colleagues and, yeah, it's really difficult. Look at the menu. You might not know half of the words there. Good. You're at the breakfast buffet. You point to something. You say, what's that? Don't know. Yeah. Mm. So it's all very important. Yeah. You might also need to learn about different cultures and cultural awareness and how to meet people, how to greet people, you know, what are typical customs in their countries so that in a business situation, you don't offend anybody and you show some kind of sensitivity. That's a good point. And that is in a lot of the business books as well. So cultural awareness and also culturally appropriate behaviour. Yeah, Yeah. students love talking about this kind of thing, like shaking hands or bowing or what's the most appropriate thing these days? Yeah, greetings is a really important one, isn't it? Because that's the first impression, so you've got to get it right. And the way you should talk to people politely as well. Should you arrive on time? Should you be five minutes late to the meeting? (laughs) Yeah, should you be? (laughs) Sometimes you have to be. It's polite. Should you arrive ten minutes late with a cappuccino in your hand? (laughs) Um, So what about exams? English Gav we should get to that exam English so okay so there are different exams for different students different ages if you're a European student it could be a different exam to if you're a US or an Australian student and the exam could be for you to get into university or it could be an exam you just want to pass in order to show that you've improved in your level. You could also be asked by your company to prove your level in English. Yeah, and these courses do usually require a book, and I would say they have to be a lot more structured, maybe a bit more artificial, maybe Mm -hmm. not so authentic or realistic English, maybe a bit more refined Okay. Is that a good word? So the two big exams I'll mention are TOEFL and IELTS. But you know what, Em? What, Gav? I think we should come back to talking in detail about the exams. Yeah, there's a lot there, a lot there to is. cover. Because you have to not only teach the English, you have to teach the strategy of the exam. What is the exam? What you need to learn, like the tricks and the tips. So as a teacher, it requires you to know a lot about the exam as well. And I think there's a lot more work for both the teacher and the student. You have to be really focused. You have to do a lot of homework or a lot of work in your own time. And I think the student has to be aware of that. It's about vocab building and refining and understanding your grammar. And from the 
teachers and students' point of view, it's about honing those skills to pass exams as much as it is about learning the language. Exactly. Give us some examples of the kind of activities in there, M. Well, they have to do a lot of restructuring of sentences or like transforming the sentence using a different word so the meaning is the same. Okay, and um, also transforming verbs into nouns, and nouns into adjectives. A lot of prefixes and suffixes is going to be needed and... There's a lot of multiple choice questions. Often there's what they call distractors, where there's one answer that looks right, but it's not right. So they have to identify which one is the wrong one. They really put them in there to trip them up. So if a student comes to an exam course and they don't know really what it's going to be like, they might find it's quite a shock. I remember a student telling me after their exam that there was a section of the exam which was all about football and football was my student's favourite topic and they explained to me afterwards that in fact the questions were all based on the text and not the student's own opinion and it was really difficult for the student to say the text says this or according Mm. to the text or as it's stated here and not say well I personally think this is true or I really like this team or something else so it's really difficult to switch off your own personal feelings and opinions and simply focus on the topics in front of you. Yeah, so maybe it's slightly less creative. They're not measuring your intelligence or opinion. They're measuring your ability to approach the task yes. and to answer the questions based on something very rigid. Yeah, I often say to my students, it's not an intelligence test. It's about the ability to take the information that's in front of you and really understand it. So why would they need an exam? You said before, maybe for work, maybe they want to study abroad, maybe they want a promotion, something like that. You said a lot of companies require a certain level of English mm-hmm. yeah, for some positions mm-hmm. or a transfer or, or an assignment abroad, something like that. So it's good because they have a goal and a goal, as we know, is really motivating and other students that might feel they've just stagnated and they need something as a target. So that's a really good thing to suggest as a teacher that maybe they they should do. So that's why some teachers prefer teaching exams because it's not so general. It's actually very focused. The student wants to get from A to C and you take them via route B. Is it? Is that a good metaphor? Surely they could just go from A to C if that's the most direct route. Yeah, but you have to take B, don't you? And B is the teacher's Input. Input. Right. Okay, I like it. Thanks. So, yeah. That's one of many metaphors that I will be using over the next few weeks, Em. Okay, Gav. I know you like your metaphors. We need to talk about ESP next. Yes, we do. I think the first vocation that I connect with ESP, English for specific purposes, is tour guides. Right, okay, tour guides. Do you know what I mean when I'm talking about tour guides, Em? People who take you around a city and talk about places and exactly. sites. Yeah. And this is typically students do this. Mm-hmm. If they're learning the language, they might go and stay in that country yep. and they can become a tour guide for the summer. Yep, okay, mm-hmm. I'll take your tour guide and raise you doctor, medical English. Oh, okay, that is very specific. It is, yeah. And I've taught doctors and had to talk about very specific things that I couldn't pronounce, but that's fine. You have to just learn a lot and prepare. Well, you've always got the internet if you need to check pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then there's 
banking and uh, finance, I think, is another one, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, It's a very specific language. I think maybe, I don't know what else is included, call centre language maybe. Um, If you're a pilot, you might need to communicate. Well, you, you definitely need to communicate over the airwaves to control centres and say, we're flying over and everything is fine. Yeah. Industry-specific language applicable to some jobs. Do you enjoy those kind of classes? Because obviously you don't know what it's like to be a pilot, so you have to go away and do your homework, don't you? I have taught pilots. Oh, nice. And I've prepared them for interviews, for jobs. We did need to discuss some piloty things <laughs> piloty things okay that sounds like an esp phrase piloty <laughs> things so okay i think it is fun to learn new things and i really like diving into a new unknown language area um but i do feel like sometimes i cross the line where i'm trying to teach the student their own job which is clearly not going to work because they've been doing it a lot longer than you and you've just gone to look at wikipedia for one thing and you think you're an expert I think we've gone full circle, Em. You enter an ESP classroom, you focus very much on the language specific to their industry, but you might have a little bit of general English in there as well. So again, have you ever taught a class that was only about ESP? No, I haven't. But you're right, you mentioned call centres. So yeah, it could be just learning or teaching the dialogues for making calls. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we're generalising, of course. So a lot of the time, the students just need to upgrade what they already know and you need to correct it as a teacher. And I don't think you should be worried about asking them what they do and get them to explain it to you. And maybe you can add a little bit yourself, but I don't think you need to go away and take a course on being a pilot because that's really not realistic. So the student already has all that information, which is worth remembering. And it's fun. I think it's really fun to learn about these things. Yeah, that's it. So it could be your student just asking you to sound a bit more natural, using more of the language that is typical in their field, and you can help them with that. Sounds a bit intimidating. Yeah, I think it can be, the idea of it. But often it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. So have we covered it, Gav? I think that we have definitely covered the three or four types of lessons. Mm Mm-hmm. Just remind me again. Was three or four? General. Business. Exam. exam, ESP. ESP. Four. That was four. We did it. I just need to give a little message to our listeners. If they go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star, we will be very, very, very happy. We will. We will be very happy. Em, have you got anything else you want to say to the listeners? Um, thank you, listeners. I hope you enjoyed it. Okay, Em. See you next week. See you next week, Gav. Bye. Bye.